Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, people. This is where the rubber meets the road. We're into May now, baby. May 4. And we got all kinds of things out in front of us. Now, it's true that last week we saw more events canceled. The Little League World Series in August was canceled. Um, Something else in August got dumped. What was it? I don't know. So stuff, but you know, that involves a lot of kids and traveling. And so I kind of get that, but we got stuff right in front of us. Um, The National Women's Soccer League. And I know a lot of you don't care about the Royals, but it's a league and there's Tim Teens. They got to travel and they're adults and they're pros and they're supposed to start training. They're, They're hoping to train May 16 and then play in another month. And that means they'd start in June. And June is when the PGA Tour is supposed to restart. That's June 11th. So we got a couple things going. We were telling you on Friday that President in Iowa says that he thinks football activities will resume as normal on campus June 1. Man, this isn't some sports talk radio schmo speculating. The president of the University of Iowa told that to the Board of Regents. Who's calling the shots? The Board of Regents and the president. Now... I tweeted a story out on Friday and got a little blowback from the don't be scared crowd, you ninnies. This isn't only killing old people. Um, Because there's uh, CNN has this uh, quoting epidemiologists. There's a word I never used to use. Epidemiologists. You know, there's three scenarios going forward. And the Big 12 commissioner, basically, he didn't say it in those words, but that's basically what he said. Bob Bowlesby came out last week and said, I think we're going to start college football on time. I'm worried about the entire season happening. I'm worried about the college football playoff. And I think college basketball might be impacted. You know, it could be waves. So, But at least we get some positives. There, It may be two steps forward one step back and maybe two steps forward and three steps back. We'll have to see. But, you know, under the don't be scared, be smart, play the odds, try to be logical, respect respect the process and respect COVID-19. But, hey, let's try not to stay on lockdown for 24 consecutive months because that'll have its own issues and it is having its own issues. So uh, this is I think this is going to be an interesting month. I think it will be less speculation and more real decisions made as far as what can restart and what can't and what has to restart. but has to be different. And you're going to hear a little bit about that from Mark Amicone coming up, who is the GM and president of the Salt Lake Bees as far as what's going to happen with minor league baseball here in Salt Lake City. All right, DJ and PK, we'll get to that in just a minute. First, a partner profile. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, and we are joined now by David Weissman from Subway. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, David, are you a Subway yeah. lifer, basically? You are. Uh, you've had. You've worn multiple hats for Subway over the years, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. I am a lifer. I love this brand, and I love our franchise owners. What all have you done? Well, my wife and I uh, own ten uh, Subway restaurants in Montana. We have been Subway franchise owners for about uh, twenty years now. A little bit old, over, actually, which makes me old, by the way. Hmm. And. Uh, and uh, just this last year, we moved here to Salt Lake City, and some partners and I bought the uh, subway development office for the Utah, northeastern Nevada, and western Wyoming territory. So we work between Subway Corporate and our franchise owners here in the 235 restaurants that are locally owned and operated in our territory, which is really fun. All right, so I guess the first question is uh, precautions you've taken to protect the staff and, and protect customers. Everything's changing in, in the retail and food industry. What have you done? 
Oh, yeah, it really has been uh, changing in, a, in kind of a dramatic fashion. But we want to keep our team safe and we want to keep our guests safe. So we have uh, gone the extra mile. And, you know, Subway's always been kind of cutting edge when it comes down to uh, food safety, hourly temps and things were put into place long before all this. We were always the leader in hand washing, as you're aware. So all those things have stayed the same. Uh, now we're in addition to that, we're sticking on top of all of the CDC guidelines and also local health department guidelines. We have uh, staked out the every one of our locations inside of it. Uh, we not only keep our, our numbers of guests in the restaurants to the uh, rec- the allowed limits, depending on what area you're in, uh, but we've also marked on the floor where it is safe to stand. Um, some of the restaurants have added uh, plexiglass between uh, the guest and the and the uh, uh, sandwich artist behind the counter at the cash register. Uh, we have sanitizing stations for our, our guests as well as for ourselves. Uh, we have this amazing thorough cleaning and sanitizing uh, checklist that we do uh, a minimum of hourly within the restaurants. And uh, and then, of course, there's all these different ways you can order from us in, in a safe manner. Um, we have uh, the old-fashioned pick-up-the-telephone-give-us-a-call kind of way. Uh, we also have uh, ordering online, which is sort of becoming a little bit old-fashioned too these days because the app has taken over, which we also have. So you can do that and have an actual contactless transaction with us at any one of our locations. Um, many of the locations have uh, drive throughs that you can use and do your ordering through that or even just pick up if you didn't order online or through the app or on the phone. Um, and some people, some of our locations are actually doing curbside delivery and ordering now. So you don't even have to get out of your car and come in the, uh, in the restaurant, which is uh, another added benefit of uh, working with uh, Subway. That's how we're looking out for you. So how do people find out the Subway uh, near work or near their house or whatever? How do they find out if they're on the cutting edge here with the uh, delivery and that kind of stuff? Well, oh, speaking of delivery, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually glazed over that. We, I, I believe the good majority of our restaurants here, and, and not every one of them, but I think it's pretty close to over 90% are, are offering uh, delivery through our third-party uh, delivery partners like Grubhub and, and uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats and I think Postmates too. Um, the good news is, is that if you go on and order uh, through one of those avenues, it doesn't matter how close you are to it. It'll, it'll automatically figure you out because your phone talks to the system and they'll get to the one closest to you and they'll get the one that will get it to you the quickest. So what about grocery delivery? Because we're starting to hear that some restaurants are doing this. And I don't know if you realize this, but on a sports talk station, there's a few guys who like bread and meat and cheese and lettuce and tomato and, you know, mustard. <laughs> how many people are offering that? Uh, yeah, uh, we are. <laughs> We've got, we don't have a lot of restaurants on the program yet, but we do have more interest in it every day. We've got about eight of them here in the metro area that are on the program. Uh, offering the uh, the uh, grocery, which is pretty cool. All you have to do is go to subwaygrocery.com. Um, and again, if you have the GPS on in your device, whether it's your laptop or whatever, it'll bring up the closest three within that 50 mile an hour, uh, 50 mile radius, 50 mile an hour. <laughs> That'd be fast grocery delivery. Um, but anyway, within that radius and, and uh, everything is pretty much available. We do have breads to bring that up. We do have the mustards and the specialty sauces. If there's a sauce that that Subway has that you love. A lot of people love that Southwestern Chipotle sauce. Uh, you can actually buy that uh, through these these outlets that are offering it. Um, and they do, you know, snack trays and meat and cheese trays and sandwich trays. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty neat. It's an innovative way to uh, make sure that we're taking care of our customers. I'm an oil and vinegar and uh, pepper guy. That's what I'm going to hit right there. You know what? Uh, you and I are on the same page there. Yeah. 
heavy on the mustard. Well, David, yeah. uh, thanks for spending a couple minutes and uh, joining us. And uh, so the the app, the phone, and the website, you got your choice, right? You do. Yeah, absolutely. We're there for you. And if you don't mind, I really want to make sure that I, you know, everybody's in this together. And I want to make sure that we thank from everybody in the Subway family, all of the first responders, healthcare workers, and all of the essential frontline workers, including our Subway sandwich artists. Uh, you guys have kept us in a, in a bit of normalcy throughout this unusual situation that we're in. So thank you to you all. David Weissman, Subway, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks, David. Hey, thank you. Coming up next, Mark Amicone, general manager and president of the Salt Lake Bees. When will minor league baseball restart? What will it look like? No definite word, but he's got multiple plans he's working on. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We've heard all about the stoppages and the cancellations. When will sports restart? What will it look like when it restarts? It's one thing for, uh, you know, sports radio blowhards, like myself, uh, to sit here and speculate. But it's another thing to get a decision maker, a guy who is in the room, in the room where it happens. Oh, I got a quick quote, quick quote in Broadway musicals there. Yak, did you even get that? In the room where it happens? Didn't see Hamilton, huh? Anyway, all right, Yak, uh, you don't want to listen to this anyway. Just Google that. Go to YouTube. Search for the In the Room Where It Happens. It's a catchy little tune. It's got a feisty little number. All right, here's uh, Mark Amicone. He's going to drop May 1st because we had him on on Friday. But he can tell you, because he's on conference calls, some of the plans the baseball people are working on. Mark, good morning. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. We've been hearing all kinds of things about baseball, and we know as team president and GM, you are plugged in. You talk to major league people, you talk to other minor league people. Uh, you're part of obviously for people who are you know been in town for like three minutes and don't know the bees are owned by the Jazz, so you're you're tied into all of that, and uh, everybody's wondering what is up with sports, and specifically what is up with baseball. What do you know for sure? What do you probably know, and what do you suspect? Jump in anywhere you want, because you know way more than we do. <laughs> well, I would say what do we know for sure is we really don't know what we don't know. Um, you know, there's there's so many variables out there, and, and the discussions, um, you know, kind of uh, a lot of planning and a lot of thoughts and, you know, what ifs and what if that and what if this. And, you know, the, the discussion eventually just turns around and comes right back to, you know where are we at with the the health initiatives and and the guidelines and can we open and um, you know and in our case from you know a, a relaxed guideline and reopening sort of thing it's um, you know Utah has to be open but in our case so does California and so does Washington and so does Nevada and Texas and New Mexico and you know the the different places we play. Um, so the the you know the bottom line for us is when when is it safe uh to move around when is it safe to travel um 
And and in the in the case of minor league baseball, especially, uh, when is it safe to have fans come back to games? Um, you know, in, in our business model, it doesn't make sense really to have. Uh, minor league games without fans in the major leagues they can do that they have television and not just from a revenue standpoint one of the uh, things I'm kind of looking forward to with uh, major league baseball getting going and having games on TV is uh, some activity and some hope and some excitement to say hey things are are happening and moving forward and um, you know fun to watch and do that but at, at our level you know, without fans, there's there's really uh, uh, not much for us to do in our home cities. I, I still, you know, I, they're not going to uh, completely not play minor league games and have minor league players in camp because I, you know, you just simply can't afford to, uh, if possible, to not have your, or excuse me, to have your players miss an entire year of, of development and practice and workouts and things is is really difficult. So uh, I suspect we're going to see baseball. Um, I'm really hoping sooner than later. Uh, you know, today's May 1st. So um, unfortunately <laughs> for us, and I kind of chuckle at that a little bit, we just finished the driest April in, in our history here in Salt Lake, and uh, which is good weather for playing baseball. And unfortunately, we did not have any games. Yeah, I thought about that, Mark, as I sat out in high school games with you in the 40s. Uh, not the yep. uh, decade, but the temperatures. <laughs> I was going to say, in the, in the 1940s or in the temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, games that were played uh, where everybody's bundled up and there's literally snowflakes uh, falling down. And then, sure enough, we have the driest April where the weather has been great. I actually thought about that because we basically had uh, late May, June weather and there's been no baseball, and that, that sucks on all sorts of levels from the high school all the way up to your level and into the majors. And, you know, you talk, you hit on that, that thing that I thought was really key as far as we understand the economics, but also the development of these guys playing, not being able to play ball. So we've heard that big leagues, you know, discussion, have it in Phoenix or what have you. Has there been any discussion about that if the minor leagues cannot play? Because, as you say, you know, the California issue is different from the Utah issue. Has there been any talk about centralizing it? So at least get these guys some type of development. Well, that that's out there. Um, you know, whether it makes sense to put them at their own spring training sites in, in you know, Phoenix and, and, and Florida, especially you know, from the major, from the organizational standpoint, all of their players are used to being there. They go there for training camp. They have the facilities. Could they all get together and play games there? That you know, I mean, every facility has um, eight or twelve backfields. We call them where they can uh, can actually play and and have players on site as well as the medical staff and workout facilities and those kind of things. So, you know, I think that might be more feasible than, let's say, let's say Utah's in good shape and they decide to send some players here and, you know, we could play in Salt Lake and Orem and Ogden and those kind of things. Uh, I, I think the logistics of that are, are much more difficult than playing in their own in their own facilities. But uh, they're, they're definitely going to do all we 
possibly can to make sure uh, the players do get get workouts because you know I mean even at that level it, it becomes such a it may be even more important at that level than even the lower levels because it becomes such a routine of every single day you're doing this and you're playing games and you're in this routine and and when that goes away it takes quite a bit to get yourself back to what you would consider playing at at a specific level so um, anything they can do or we can do as a as an industry to have the players play um, and work out and get their reps in is very important for the 2021 season I, I mean when 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 21 opens up um, if we for some reason can't get things going this year they still need to have those workouts. And I, and I suspect, again, uh, especially at the major league level, they're going to do everything feasibly possible to play, even if it ends up going into uh, November or even later. Because, you know, they, again, at that level, they have an advantage of uh, being able to play in some warm weather neutral sites and, and those kind of things. But uh, I'm intrigued by some of the models. You know, we've looked at the, the, the Arizona-Florida model and then the latest um the latest uh, plan of possibly restructuring into three separate divisions and you know doing a regional thing where the team there's teams in the west and then the midwest and then in the east uh and playing in their own stadiums i think there's some logic to that so um but we'll see i mean you know the big uh, the biggest and, and most critical part of the whole scenario again is back to what can we do from a health and safety and medical standpoint? Or, you know, do we have the testing available? Do we have treatment available? Uh, you know, when are when are players and staff going to be safe to go do those things? And you know, and then the next important part of that is when when can we allow fans to to come? And you know, and we may be in a situation where, uh, in our case, I mean, maybe the capacity of our stadium is not 15,000 because of some health and social distancing guidelines and things. Maybe that maybe our capacity becomes uh, much less than that. And we uh, strategically allow people to sit in, in different places in the ballpark. And, you know, even that would be a, a major step forward and an exciting thing for us to have happen. It would be a major step forward and it would be exciting, but it would also impact the bottom line because you get some pretty good crowds out there. I mean, your fireworks crowds are just massive. But, you know, even when the summer gets going, it's not unusual to see seven to 10,000 people out there. And when you start talking social distancing, I was wondering if you would lose, you know, like two thirds of your capacity right away. And what does that do from a, a business perspective if you can only have four or 5,000 people in the park? Well, I think obviously the the lesser number that we we could make impacts that, but um, you know, but four or five thousand is a whole lot better than zero, and and you know, so from an economic business standpoint, if we can start moving ahead and putting putting fans in the in the seats and and being able to do a, a quality food service situation for for those that do come. Uh, obviously, that really helps our economics. But, you know, I, I also see us as uh, an instrument to do something else and something better for the community. I mean, for heaven's sakes, all of a sudden we can go to a ball game. How cool would that be? How nice would that be to get outside, um, see a ball game, be together, even if it's social 
distanced by by six or eight or ten or twelve feet, whatever it may be, in small groups and and those kind of things. That's just such. Uh, a shot in the arm for for us um, as you know as a community to be able to come back out and you know hey yeah let's do a fireworks show and and whether we can get you know fifteen thousand people again or not those that are there and those that can see it from around the community it, it sends a great message and it allows us to to you know pull up our boots and kind of get get moving again. Can you speak to those stories that have been out there where they're talking about eliminating some minor league teams, what that is all about? Well, that you know, that's there's been eight million different rumors and and you know, obviously the the health situation has has impacted the the opportunity to have uh, continued talks and negotiations and you know i i I suspect that we're still going to have uh a a resolution that makes sense and you know again with what's happening right now it's just really slowed down the uh the opportunity to you know to get together and meet and negotiate but um it's you know from a purely baseball standpoint uh, it's player development player welfare those kind of things do we play a little bit more regionally and 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 you know have a few more days off during the season and those kind of things so i think uh, those the, that's all out there what kind of uh, how good is our facility to take care of the players and uh, but you know right now that's also taken a, a bit of a backseat to to getting baseball going again you you mentioned the whole three division, ten teams each concept with everyone pretty much aligned by time zone. But I'm intrigued by that because there's only eight teams in the Pacific and Mountain time zones. You get to ten for what would, I guess, be the Western Division if you put Houston and Texas in there. But that's a two-hour shift on the starting time. I think a lot of people would not be in favor of that. It would be more lucrative if, say, Portland and Vegas got Major League Baseball and there were ten teams in these time zones. How likely the major leagues to Portland and Vegas, obviously that would impact you guys a little bit. I, you know, I, I'd like to, uh, I think it'd be more fun if Vegas and Salt Lake got, uh, yeah, I think uh, right. major league baseball <laughs> at some point that, you know, that, that'd, that'd make the 10, 10 team situation a lot more fun out this way, I think. But, um, you know, that, that's the other thing that's, that's being discussed is, you know, is, is this kind of speeding up the possible possibility of expansion, um, you know, with the the revenues that have been lost and and things this year with with the delay in the season and who knows where it goes is you know expansion fees and things like that can add some money back into the uh, back into the coffers for Major League Baseball and you know let's say they expand by two and and they happen to take you know I mean the, the cities I'm here and. Uh, more so, or and this doesn't solve the east-west kind of thing. But but I'm here in Las Vegas. I'm here in Charlotte. Hmm. Um, Nashville has kind of come up a couple of times, but the Las Vegas and Charlotte, and you know, and then Las Vegas has really become quite you know the uh, the major league city recently. And um, but if that happens, and they add two, and that takes away. You know, in our case, two AAA cities. You know, then all of a sudden you got to add four AAA cities because, um, 
you know, you'd have to make up for the two you lost, and then the two additional teams would would need a city because each each major major league club has to have an affiliate. So now there would be thirty two, and um, so it kind of intrigues us with you know where would where would we have more AAA cities? But um, you know, I, I think that that most current uh, immediate. Uh, time frame, yeah, I think Houston and uh, and, the, and the Rangers would end up out this direction. You, you touched on Vegas becoming a major league city. Why is that? It used to be that they were pariah and you couldn't be associated with them, and now it seems like everything is lining up, pointing in that direction. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because I've thought about that and had discussions about that quite a bit because from a sporting event standpoint, um, Holy cow! We we really wanted to shy away from uh, from Las Vegas and from the uh, you know the open gambling in Nevada and those kind of things. And you know it, it's really changed over the years. I mean, you know, PK, you and I, well, and DJ, when you were, I'm much really, younger. Really leave me out of it. Chasing, yeah, they <laughs> are. But but chase, you know, but chasing the conference basketball tournaments. I oh, remember yeah. when, yeah. you know, the, even back to the the whack and then the Mountain West and. Uh, the development of those conferences and the Pac-12 tournaments uh, being in Las Vegas and now the Raiders going there and uh, the NHL is there and and, uh, the NBA Summer League and some of those kind of things. It's really become, uh, you know, I don't know if if the society norms have changed a little bit in terms of why we were afraid of Las Vegas, but Las Vegas has also grown an awful lot. I mean, I, I remember going down there and then Henderson was kind of like okay it's grown and we're going out that direction well now my heavens you go way out west and and you know Summerlin and uh, and and southwest has grown all the way to the mountains so you know it's become a big city it's a it's a bigger city I should say the weather is is generally good um you know and the people that are there um, understand about spending entertainment dollars and things like that. So, um, but uh, but obviously, I think our our uh, our attitudes towards um, sports being in Las Vegas has has changed quite a bit. I think a lot of it's technology, Mark. This phone I'm holding right now, I can gamble on that. I don't have to go to Vegas. And the sad thing is, I'm not that much younger than you. And so we all remember in our 20s and our 30s, you had to go to Vegas to gamble, and you don't. You just have to take your phone out of your pocket if that's what you want to do. Well, I'm not even smart enough to barely know how to use it as a telephone. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know how all the, all the other things work on our, on our phone. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, everything we do now is, is immediate. It's in our hands. It's, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I watched a TV commercial this morning where they said your next computer is not going to be a computer. It's going to be, you know, a tablet of some sort. And you think, wow, I remember when I, the very first time I, I got an iPad or whatever. And wow, this is, this is cool, but it really can't do what my computer does. Well, yeah, we, we are in a different, different situation now. And, and, you know, you go to the ballpark and even being at the ball game and sitting there with your, with your phone and doing all the interaction with that game you're, you're specifically watching and, and all the other games that are going on that night, it, it's really changed how we, how we, uh, how we watch and how we interact with, with professional sports. How much do you actually just literally just miss the game itself? Oh, I miss so much about it. It's it's 
you know, the game itself, we're talking about players. And in fact, we're doing a little historical thing right now. Uh, Steve Clowkey wrote this uh, thing along with uh, some some people from the city as we're we're looking at future development around the ballpark and doing some things there, perhaps a museum and stuff like that, where, or a walk of fame outside that reflects the history of, of the game. And you start looking about and, and looking back about, uh, and this is way before me, but the, the uh, push him up in, in Utah baseball history and Herm Franks being here and, you know, many of the players that have been here over the years and you start to reminisce about the game itself and the players that are here and the fun of, of watching the game. But I just miss being at the ballpark. I miss, you know, during a game and walking around and, and watching the families and the, and the buddies that are there just hanging out and having a good time. It's, it's, it's such a great atmosphere that, that, that um, yeah, I, I'm missing that dramatically. It, it, it really hurts. Mark, I know when I go to the ballpark the next time, I'm going to see you out on the train with your knees all scrunched up, aren't I? You're just going to be doing laps going back and forth. Well, you know what? I unfortunately for me, my knees don't have to be scrunched up very much because I'm <laughs> I'm not all that tall. But uh, uh, yeah, I've had occasion to to drive that little train around and and ride in it, and so I know how to get in and out of it. I've I, I actually uh, had had one or two opportunities to drive the lawnmower and, and mow the grass, and after about two stripes, the groundskeeper made me get off because I couldn't go straight. So, um, yeah, you're, you're going to see me doing lots of different things at the ballpark. I can't wait to get back there. Well, Mark, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking a little baseball. And we'll just leave it right where we started with uh, no guarantees. You don't know what you don't know, and you're not going to guess at what you don't know. Exactly, but we we will be back. We do know we will be back. Um, just just not sure when, and I can't wait to see you guys out there. And uh, uh, I'll buy you a hot dog when you get over that way. <laughs> we we appreciate it, Mark. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Mark Amicone, president and general manager of the Salt Lake Bees. When we come back. The Wyoming Cowboys are playing the Weber State Wildcats Week 1, the Utes Week 3, and the Aggies Week 9. How good are the Wyoming Cowboys? We're going to talk to their beat writer coming up. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We are joined now by Michael Katz. Wyoming Cowboys beat writer for the Laramie Boomerang and Wyoming Tribune Eagle. Michael, good morning. How's it going, guys? Good. So as we follow Wyoming football, we do the spring football tour, trying to gear people up for what the coming season uh, will bring. And as we follow Wyoming football, we see it kind of go in waves. Uh, There's some pretty good teams, but they can't reload. they got to rebuild. Where does Wyoming sit right now? How, how high are expectations going into this year? 
You know, uh, with the way uh, the bowl game went, they they won their game against Georgia State, uh, thirty-eight to seventeen, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their their whole issue last year was, you know, they had a backup quarterback in the quarterback, the starter got hurt. Uh, and I believe it was the eighth game of the season, and, and things kind of fell apart a little bit uh, offensively. Um, but in that bowl game, they put in a true freshman. They started him, and the offense just looked. It was on another level, and so you know the storyline this year is you have the kid who uh, is coming back from injury, and then you have the freshman. Uh, and I think either way, people are just really excited to see where the offense goes. I, the, I mean, the defense is always going to be pretty good under uh, you know head coach Craig Bowl, but I think the thing that people are really excited about is is what this offense can be, and if that offense can be good, I, I think there's really really high expectations uh you know for this team to win you know eight nine maybe even ten games well i think there should be you know they've had four straight seasons of winning at least six games you talk about last season eight wins they return out of their two deep they only lose 12 guys so you look at the quarterback sean chambers is the kid you're speaking of who got injured and Levi Williams, the kid who came in at the end and, and orchestrated that bowl win. Uh, Chambers has said that his left knee that he injured against Nevada in late October is fully healthy, but at the same time, I read where Craig Bowl is saying that he's looking to play both Williams and Chambers at quarterback. How do you think that's going to work out? I, I think it's, it's interesting because our understanding was that Sean wasn't going to be available at all uh, during the spring. And so uh, that was kind of going to be a chance for Levi to, I don't know if I'd say take the reins, but, uh, you know, kind of put himself out there uh, a little bit more. But now that neither, you know, uh, Sean just got clear, I think it was a couple days ago. So spring practice would have already ended. Uh, But, you know, now that neither of them got that chance to, to, to get a spring ball, I think it's going to be interesting whenever, you know, things do start up again, uh, how Craig handles it because, you know, Sean, Sean, all Sean does is win games, uh, but it isn't always pretty. And, uh, you know, Levi has a really small sample size, but uh, things have looked pretty good. And, and, and Craig has said that he is, has thought about maybe running Sean Chambers a little bit less. And that's his big element is that he adds so much to the running game. You know, he ran for almost 700 yards and 10 touchdowns in just you know eight games last year, um, and and he you know he has had season-ending injuries in his last two in his first two seasons, and so you know Craig has said that you know maybe that's something he looks at, but he doesn't want to take that element away from Sean because that's what makes Sean so good, uh, and but we all also know that you know the whole dual quarterback thing doesn't always work out very well so i think it will be interesting to see how he handles it but uh i I think all uh you know i think everybody here is is pretty excited that you know whoever ends up taking the majority of the snaps it's probably going to be a better product than than what they saw for a lot of last year well a year ago uh zavian valaday zavian am i pronouncing his first name right uh, we just call him X. X, okay. Well, X ran for 1,200 yards at five yards of carry. Those are awesome numbers. And his freshman year, he got five and a half yards of carry. He just didn't get as many carries. So he looks like the real deal. Does he have an O-line in front of him? Are they going to be able to lean on the running game no matter who's a quarterback? 
Yeah, so he was kind of uh, – his story is interesting because he was basically kind of the third guy on the depth chart and then injuries to a couple guys uh, early in the season and he kind of had to step in. And like you said, all he did was you know lead the Mountain West in rushing guards, the first Wyoming player to ever do that. Uh, and the crazy thing is they returned all of their linemen. Uh, you know, they were uh, – they were a honor roll, uh, you know, a select selection for uh, one of the you know O line unit awards nationally. They return everyone. Uh, you know, Craig Bull, he wants to run the ball, even if you know it's coming, he's going to run it down your throat. That's how they play. Uh, and so, you know, as good as as X was last year, I think the expectation is uh, if he stays healthy. Uh, he's he's going to be better. The offensive line is going to be even better, and you know the depth behind him is going to be even better. So he doesn't have to carry it, you know, forty times a game like he was toward the end of the season. I think people are really excited about what he can do. Yeah, you say that about Craig Bull. You know that they're always uh, usually very close to the top in the Mountain West and number of rush attempts. Obviously, Air Force is most likely going to lead that every single year. It'll be interesting when the Utes go there. It's probably going to be a, about a, a, a what a, a ninety-minute game with uh, Kyle demanding that his team runs the ball and Bull runs the ball. It looks like though that if the Cowboys want to take the next step and get to we're talking about the nine to ten wins, win the division, play in the conference title game, that they're going to have to be able to, to throw the ball, which I think is the big issue because you look at the last two seasons and they finish 123rd and 124th in passing. Can they get better there? Yeah, and that's, you know, I was I was looking through when, when Sean uh, announced that he was healthy again, I was looking through his numbers and, you know, I know he's your starting quarterback, but uh, you know, he completed, I believe it was 43% of his passes through, uh, you know, eight games last year. And, uh, you know, and that that's, that's going to put you at the bottom nearly every year. The year before was the same thing. You know, they haven't really had a prolific attack since Josh Allen was there. And, uh, you know, Josh's second year, even the numbers went down. So, um, you know, the, the running game is always, is always going to be the key, but, um, you know, I, I think when, People saw what Levi Williams did in that bowl game when he, you know, in his only start of the year, he had the most yards and touchdown passes of any quarterback for the team all season. I think he got people really excited because it kind of showed, you know, if you have that run game and then you add in, you know, even a sort of good passing element, the team's really going to take off. And, and I think that. You know, there's that you know the old adage: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But I, I think, regardless of who's ending up as you know, quote unquote, the guy, uh, it's it's going to be a, a better product than it was last year. And you know, they won eight games, completing you know like under fifty percent of their passes uh, for the season, which is kind of insane. Uh, and so, you know, if if you get that up to fifty-five to sixty, which you know in this age of college football isn't great. Uh, you know, there's no reason to think they can't win nine, ten games. So defensively, how good are they going to be? You're going to open the season against uh, against Weber State, and Weber State's going to come in with a good defense. They played some Mountain West teams really close. I mean, when you play a six nothing game, you got a defense. You're playing a close game. If you don't have a strong defense right out of the get go, things could get sideways right at the start of the year. 
Yeah, and uh, you know the the big you know uh, Wyoming's favorite son, Logan Wilson, the All American linebacker. You know he he just got drafted by the Bengals. There was another linebacker, Cash Maluia, drafted by the Patriots. They lost it all Mountain West safety, but uh, you know, and, th- and those are obviously pretty. You know, those are those are heavy losses. Uh, but I-, I think the general, you know, understanding is that you know Craig Bull's defenses are usually going to figure out. Now there is a new defensive coordinator. You know, they're on their uh, you know third defensive coordinator in three years because all of the other ones have gone on to. You know, power five jobs. One was at Kansas State, and one went to Washington State this off season. Um, so, you know, there is there is that worry, especially since there was no spring ball. So, you know, I don't know how much you know face to face Jay Savell, their new defensive coordinator, has gotten with you know the guys he does have coming back. But I mean, generally, I, I don't think people really worry about the defenses here. Uh, it, it, the question is always, you know, can they complete passes? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the defense will probably will, – will it be the top, you know, 11 – I think they were 11th in scoring defense last year. Maybe not to start out the year, but I, I, I think the general consensus is they'll probably figure it out. Well, I think they've got a track record under Bull. I don't really care who the coordinator is as long as Bull is there. He's an old defensive guy and has been for a number of years. You just look at them – uh, obviously, Rocky Long was a big-time defensive coach at San Diego State, and I think they led the conference in fewest points allowed. And then, in, in conference games, anyway, Wyoming—I don't know about the uh, other ones—but in conference games, I think they allowed uh, what uh, less than 18 points. So I'm even with those losses, as you say, though. I think the foundation of the program is on based on Bowles' defense. So in my mind, it doesn't really matter who the coordinator is, even if they come and go. Yeah, no, I, that, and that's kind of the, you know, not not to shortchange what the coordinators have done, but you know, I, I I think the general consensus is as long as Craig is in charge, the defense is probably going to be okay. So, what is the number one thing to worry about? And all this, does it go back to where we started with the the quarterbacks and having one leader and not having things get fractured with the two guys? Because if the defense is going to be okay and the running game looks good because the O line's back and the star running back, or is it all the is it all the changes because graduating a lot of the receivers, or at least a lot of the top receivers? I mean, yeah, I I think it's really. You know, I, I don't like this. I don't want to say that losing the the top receivers isn't a big deal because obviously, you know, two seniors. But uh, you know, it's not like they were setting the world on fire, and, yeah. and a lot of that is is because of you know the lack of a passing game. And I I don't I don't think the passing game has to be you know on par with you know Boise State's and 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 you know they don't have to be an air raid or, or anything like that, but. I just think it has to be more consistent. You know, I think they threw a total of like 11 touchdown passes last year as a team, which is uh, that's that's insane. A team that won eight games uh, that doesn't run the triple option, uh, you know, did that. And so I, I think just figuring out who your guy is. Uh, I'm I'm personally not a huge believer in the whole two quarterback thing. I think you kind of got to figure out who your guy is and and roll with him. I think it's better for the locker room, but uh, I, I really think that's that's going to be the key to everything because if that aspect of things gets figured out, there's no reason to think that this this team isn't a good amount better than the one that that won eight games last year. 
You got the rivalry with CSU. That'll always be there. I think one is certainly developing for no other reason than proximity with Utah State. And then also Boise State's always everybody's big dog now. But last year you get the win, or not you, but obviously Wyoming gets the win over Missouri, and that's a Power 5 team. And with that in mind, how big is this Utah game then? Oh, I I, I think... You know, assuming, uh, you know, everything happens uh, the way as it's currently constructed, I think everybody's really, really looking forward to that. Anytime you can get a Pac-12 team, uh, you know, in here, uh, it's and, – and, you know, Laramie is, is a hard place to win, and when, when good places – or, sorry, when good teams come in, I mean, they pack the house, uh, you know. Uh, with Missouri, uh, you know, last year, Boise State a couple years before that when they were ranked in the top 15. Uh, when when good competition comes in, people get really, really, really excited. And, uh, you know, I think the War, War Memorial holds under 40,000, but they're, they're going to fill it up. And, you know, getting a team like Utah, I know this Utah team is going to look a little bit different losing, you know, Moss and Huntley and, and, and all those, you know, those great defenders. But, yeah, that's still a big name. It's still a it's still a really good it's still a really good program. That's a consistent winner in the Pac-12. And you know, if they were able to get that win under their belt, uh, I think it really would set the stage for uh, potentially a really special season for Wyoming. Craig Bull's done six years in Wyoming. This will be year seven. Uh, I thought Rocky Long was going to be a lifer at San Diego State. Now, he did have a pretty good run, but he did leave, too, to go back, and he's in New Mexico as defensive coordinator. Bowles given some stability and some success there, and seems, things seem to go in the right direction here. Is he going to be there for his career? Because we saw his name linked. You know, his name was thrown out there when Colorado, Mel Tucker, you know, bolts after one year. Could somebody come after him, or do you think he's going to coach there another five or six years, as much as anyone can guess what's going to happen five or six years from now? Yeah, that's you know, that's always kind of the worry here is because he has been so solid that someone's going to swoop him up. But, you know, every time I, I think about it, you know, he does something that makes me think that he's that he is going to stay here. You know, this offseason he donated $100,000 to Wyoming's athletic department to help pay for, you know, the senior scholarships who, uh, for the kids who got their, you know, spring season taken away and were coming back again. You know, he, he paid for their scholarships. Um, and, and I don't I don't know if a guy who isn't really committed, you know, to to his place is is making a move like that. And I know you know money's not a huge issue for him when he's making you know as much as he is. But uh, not every coach in the country is doing that, and coaches make a lot more than he does. And so you know, I, I think he's he's always going to be a, an, an appetizing you know name out there because he's you know he's he obviously did a great thing at North Dakota State and he's done great things here at a place where it is you know hard to win consistently. But uh, you know, Craig is is he's a very um, he's old school and he just. He fits Laramie really well. I mean, you would you would think that he's been here for thirty years just with how with how comfortable he is and how he sort of fits, you know, the the quote unquote cowboy tough, you know, culture that they talk about here. He's just sort of a perfect fit, and, and I know he's comfortable. He loves it here. Um, I see him around. You know, when things are open, I used to see him around town getting coffee. Uh, he he he. I think he really enjoys this sort of lifestyle. And so I think it would have to be a really, really good offer 
mean, the one I always talk about is, you know, if Nebraska, uh, you know, came knocking at his door, because, you know, he's a Nebraska guy. He was a defensive coordinator. Of course, he was fired uh, as defensive coordinator there uh, back in the early 2000s. So, I, you know, I'm not sure if there's bad blood. Uh, but that that's always kind of seemed like maybe the only one that, you know, would maybe be uh, too good of an offer to pass up. But, you know, other than that, it, it would be really hard for me to see him ending his career anywhere else. Well, Michael, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking Wyoming football. We'll, uh, we'll probably bother you again during the year since it's Weber State Game 1 and the Utes Game 3 and the Aggies Game 9. You're going to be seeing a lot of the Beehive State. I'm okay with that. I got family out there. I love Utah, so I'm I'm, I'm always uh, I'm I'm always happy to talk. Thanks for coming on the air. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Michael Katz, beat writer for the Wyoming Cowboys, covering for the paper there in Laramie. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.